This is Alex Madsen of the Divorcees, and you are listening to The Northern Report with Sean Burns. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, friends. Welcome to The Northern Report. I'm your host, Sean Burns, and I'm coming right at you from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Here on The Northern Report, I aim to shine a light on emerging and existing Canadian talent, as well as some of the legends we're still lucky to have with us. My guest on today's show is Alex Madsen. For more than 15 years now, Alex has had a hand in the lead vocal and guitar duties in Moncton, New Brunswick-based outfit, The Divorcees. A familiar voice, no doubt, for country music fans, especially if you tune in with me even semi-regularly on Boots and Saddle, as I'm no stranger to spinning a tune from the divorcee's handsome catalog of outlaw-inspired country music. We stay in touch online, but we haven't crossed paths in person in close to eight years. It was a great opportunity to catch up with Alex and politely interrogate him about his backstory, the divorcee's history, and specifically their latest album, Drop of Blood. Thanks for tuning in today, friends. And here's my conversation with Alex Madsen. Hello. Hey, man. How's it going? Not too bad. How you doing, Sean? Good, good. This is still a good time to uh, to reach you. Yeah, you got me in a great time. I guess, man, I, I mean, we've been keeping in touch and uh, keeping up to date with things on, online, but I don't, I don't think, I haven't been out there since 2013. I haven't, uh, haven't, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen you guys in, in quite a while. So I'm glad to catch up with you today. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Shall we dig? Shall we dig right in? I've got uh, I've got about you know do it. forty minutes of interrogation prepared for you. All right, so I'll good, welcome man. you to the Northern <laughs> Report, Alex. And before welcome, we, yeah, before we dive in <laughs> to the divorces and the history of the band, uh, I'd like yeah. if you could give me and these listeners uh, a chance to get to know you better. Did you grow up there in Moncton? No, I actually, uh, I was, I'm not 100% New Brunswicker. I was born in the North Shore, which is up in Bay de Chaleur, like Charlotte, Dalhousie. Grew, grew up in St. John and Fredericton. And when I got sick of that place, I ended up moving to Moncton. And of course, I did the obligatory uh, trip to Fort McMurray for about a year or so. Really? <laughs> which, oh, that's like a rite of passage for all young New Brunswick people. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go to Fort Mac for at least a year. <laughs> wow, you were working working uh, oil rig stuff up there? Uh, actually, no. I uh, I was back then. I used to work in radio. I used to work in a radio station, so I ended up going out there working for uh, uh, the OK Radio Group. Wow, it was pretty. Uh, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> More glamorous than the <laughs> oil field gig. Well, it was it was a wild time because that was back in the in the early nineties, eh? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, people still had oil can fever out there. Like it was, it was wild. Were you like the wild west? Were you catching? <laughs> uh, were you catching live acts like uh, at the oil can and stuff? I was. Oh man, yeah, I went to the oil can all the time. Still, oh, yeah, still six nights a week you know, there with the bands. Six at that nights time? a week, and there were blues bands, and and I ended up uh, kind of going in for a jam night, and then they ended up putting me into Moonlight as part of a blues band through the week. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was that was pretty fun. So, were you pay the bills? Were you playing music uh, growing up? Like do you come from a musical family at all? Uh, I come from music. Yeah, I uh my mom's side of the family are all flat pickers, like kind of country players, 
so, you know, that was, all, it was like, like every, everybody in the family had a flat top, you know? So it was all, you know, sp- sitting around in a big circle playing Merle Haggard and singing songs and the music was a part of my mom's family big time. So you're hearing country uh, but, music when you're growing up. Yeah. Well, at least on my mom's side, uh, on my dad's side, he was more like the folk side. He liked uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary and the Kingston Trio and stuff like that. So that's what was around when I was a kid was folk music and country music. And uh, then uh, I was kind of in the church as a kid. So I played in a worship team when I was like, I don't know, like 12 years old. So it was uh, pretty much I was playing like in a public setting right, right from the start, right from like 12 years old or so. Wow, playing guitar? And, uh, yeah, playing a variety of instruments. I actually played bass on a guitar when I first started out. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it was yeah. wild. It was wild. And then, of course, you know, I, I begged and pleaded for an acoustic guitar, and I got one. And I ended up kind of playing gospel-type music in the church for pretty much my high school years. And uh, coming out of that, I was lucky to kind of – that kind of put a – like real good basic solid rhythm playing under me and so that like it's funny you know you'd think of being able to play crazy leads would have gotten you the gig but it for me it was having solid rhythm chops it was just you know oh alex is a go-to guy just put him in the band and he just fills out the sound you know like that was what it was like back then so it's funny i do a lot of leads now but back then i hardly played any it was I was a rhythm guitarist so you just all the way. <laughs> understood like uh, the foundation of of the sound and of the music and your role in it. Yeah, well, yeah, it was kind of weird because uh, I was kind of defined by my limitations, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, I, I remember playing in this one blues band. They had one guitarist on one side of the stage and me on the other, and I basically played the downstroke and he played the upstroke. <laughs> 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 you know, like. <laughs> So, yeah, but it, it was a really great, uh, great foundation to build on. You know, you, you can't overplay when you're in a 12-piece worship team. You know, it's it's pretty impossible to do that because you're going to be stepping on somebody's toes. Absolutely. Were you uh, were you singing at that time as well? Or when did you start? When did you I realize did. I, you could sing? Uh, well, I I was in boys' choirs right from the age of about five. So, I sang in choir. And then kind of, I, I'd had piano lessons and music lessons all through my childhood, but then I uh, migrated to the worship team because I, they kind of noticed that I had the aptitude to remember melodies and just kind of know how things are constructed. So they, they said, yeah, let's put this guy in the team. And, and in a way we went. So I kind of graduated from the, from the choir, choir type stuff to music. Um, but as far as singing goes... Uh, I probably didn't really get into the, into the vocal stuff until probably the mid nineties. Cause I started playing professionally when I was 18 and that would have been like 89, I think 89, 90. No. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been in the late eighties that I started kind of gigging. Still in New Brunswick. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. And I was what they call a wet, dry musician. So I was a dry they called a dry player. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they they were like, you know, watching me like a hawk, wouldn't let me near the bar, had to have a special stamp. Yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. 
yeah it was a different time you you could do that stuff but now you can't do it at all i don't think but yeah so (laughs) it was pretty pretty neat you know but i was just a rhythm guitarist for the first little bit of my career and a little bit of leads but you know like hardly ever and then uh towards the mid 90s i started getting i got the punk rock bug and went crazy and so that that was and i did that for a whole bunch of time came here to moncton in the end of the 90s and joined the great bouncing act which was kind of uh kind of a jam band i mean that was the big thing at the time and hippie stuff and and uh but the funny thing is is that i i was probably the i i was playing all the same kind of gospel riffs all the way through everything yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just it never really changed i was just kind of doing all that crazy stuff I, yeah and yeah i've heard that about you before uh and i and and i would never have guessed and some friends of mine from out there in the maritimes had said like oh no like alex is like not just a guy in a country band like he can play blues and he can play jazz and he's played all this music and he's like a go-to guy in the maritimes for a little while and i was like you know it's no surprise you're a really talented guy but i thought you know some part of me thought you were like uh 100% country music only you know oh yeah well i mean definitely my heart's in country like the country music does something for me that other styles of music doesn't but it's i still love all that music like uh, when i was coming up i was playing in punk rock and i was playing heavy metal and all sorts of different music and fusion and like all sorts of styles and i'm definitely a lover of the guitar as an instrument and uh i i just love exploring whatever i can with it but uh when it comes to like my go-to like i you know nothing beats listening to honky-tonk heroes end to end you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's just there's something about it you know and there's it's it's true like i i definitely you know i have a real keen interest in classical composition and jazz and uh i like experimental music and uh i kind of my tastes widely vary as as do my interest as a technician like when i'm trying to play different things i love all that stuff but it's funny, you know, even all the guys in the divorcees, you know, like a lot of like Turtle, for example, is an exceptionally gifted player uh, and has like really broad musical taste as well. And he and I used to play in a band called The Turning back in the day. And uh, and it was very uh, kind of experimental and had, explored a lot of different kind of ideas. Uh, so that that comes to the table with the divorcees like uh kevin our drummer he played in a bunch of rock bands uh haywood who's back in the band he's done all sorts of different styles too and sean our the guitar player uh he's he played he played in a band called the ginger kings he's a tremendous blues player like sean is just blazing right blues on. player like just cuts my head right off <laughs> <laughs> you know like so we all bring that to the table, but it's funny how we all have this mutual love of country, but our styles and tastes kind of seep into what we do. And uh, so it makes it fun and interesting. And we kind of, you know, if you listen real close, you can hear a couple different little turns on stuff that that comes from that, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
you come back to New Brunswick, you land back in Moncton, you're playing around town, you have a relationship with Turtle already. So do you guys start the divorces? How and when does the band start? Well, it's an interesting story. So way back in like 2004, Haywood comes to me and says, we need to do a Johnny Cash tribute, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think he just passed away and it was a big thing, you know, and we were big, big, big Johnny Cash fans. Uh, Turtle hadn't quite come along quite yet. Uh, We were working with another guy, but very shortly after Turtle came in and uh, it's really like Haywood and I and Turtle are like the, the, the guys that are, have been there from the start mm-hmm. in this band currently. Uh, and Haywood, like Turtle and I have been the, the longest standing members because Haywood went on and did, kind of went solo for about 12 years, you know, so, and then he came back in. So, uh, but we were doing this Johnny Cash stuff and uh, we were having a hell of a time. We were loving it. It was just, it was just so cool to be able to play. You see, you have to remember back then, it wasn't a thing that we did. Like, you you know, I wanted to play country all my life, but never thought I could get away with it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I honestly, like, it was, you know, like, I'd go and play like a like a pretty hardcore gig with the punk band. I'd get in my car and I'd be listening to Chad Atkins when I'm driving home. Like, <laughs> it was just crazy. Yeah, you know? I know what you mean. And you know what I mean? Yeah. You remember those times? Like, he's like, you listen to Willie Nelson? Like, it wasn't cool back then. Like, you had to kind of... He kind of had to keep it on the down low, you know, mm-hmm. it was hilarious. But, uh, you know, we were doing the Johnny Cash stuff and it was really flying good. And Haywood had some stuff written, some country tunes. And so did I. And uh, we kind of just said, man, let's let's see if we can just do a country gig somewhere. So pre, pre-divorcees, we kind of did a few shows and it really went great. And we it just felt it just was like the best gigs I'd ever had. You know, like, uh, I just felt super comfortable, super happy. Uh, you know, just everything that I'd ever done as a musician in my life and my family's history, it all just kind of seemed to settle in to what we were doing. And I got to play music that I love playing. Like, I remember the, we played the attic in Nova Scotia. And I remember the first time we played Mama Tried. And I remember looking at Haywood and just thinking to myself, this is... Like, I've been waiting my entire career to do this. Like, like I'm so, so happy that I could play that way. And uh, so it's magical. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I often think the same thing. Like, it, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to play this music. And maybe people will, will like it. And, you know, at least if we can do a good enough job on it, they might not hate it. You know, if I'm going <laughs> to play, well, we're gonna play. We were scared shitless, Sean. We were so scared because <laughs> it was, we, we were on stage. We were you know, we had that new band smell all the way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we're walking on stage and we're looking at each other and we're going, we're going to be playing like, you know, Luther Perkins country. Like, we're not talking about the country that they're playing at the at the dive bar down the street. You know, we're talking about, like, because those guys are playing like whatever that stuff is on the radio. And we're like, this ain't on the radio. And we were terrified. We were like, these people are going to, run us out of town like and we we when we walked in that bar it was empty when we walked back out of our green room the bar was standing room only and we were like here we go 
<laughs> and we we launched into like get rhythm or something like that and i mean the place lit up i mean it might as well have been a, a country show punk show and there were metalheads punks rockers yeah there's always that crossover yes. from like the from the punks and the, and some of the metal guys oh, yeah. that, that kind of are always sympathetic to the the attitude of johnny cash or hank williams or merle haggard you know it's it's a nice it's nice when you get that all in the same room oh man it was it was fantastic we had dads and, and sons arm in arm singing word for word and we were all like hey when i just looked at each other it was like we we were worried that it was not going to go over well and it was exactly the opposite what year is this and we were just thrilled oh man like 2005 2004 like way way back and that's like right around the time that shooter jennings is sort of making a name for himself as an artist and uh are you are you guys taking cues from shooter and whalen and willie it seems like you know your first record comes out in 2006 and it's sort of picking up uh, on what they're dropping down not so much because that was a little bit after we started like we were really we really just happened into it like because we were doing the johnny cash tribute and having a blast and we didn't want it to end you know we knew that the tribute for to Johnny was going to be uh, kind of a a window of time, so we we didn't expect anything permanent. And uh, you know, we just as that started to kind of wind down, we were like, "Oh man, well we don't want to stop." So we basically built into the show. And Haywood was doing a solo thing, and the band was originally called Jason Haywood and the Divorcees. And one day we we just ended up playing a show, and Haywood looked on stage and said, "What if I took my name off this?" And we're like, all right, you got on the mic. We're the divorcees, and that was it. Were you guys like you know, uh, doing the full full tribute, like dress up as Johnny Cash, pretend to be Johnny Cash, or are you just like, here's a country music band playing Johnny Cash songs? Haywood would kind of suit up, and and you know, slick the hair back a bit, and maybe go up on stage wearing black and wearing Ray Bans kind of deal. Uh, so that was. You know, we reasonable facsimile, but we weren't like hardcore trying to hi, I'm Johnny Cash kind of it was more of a let's look like we're kind of Tennessee three type of people, you know. Mm -hmm. So we would suit up and uh you know, I'd had a big ten gallon hat that I'd wear and a <laughs> western suit and all this crazy stuff. It was it was pretty fun. Were you singing songs you know, or are you just being Luther? Just Luther with harmonies. Kind of a mix between Luther and Carl. <laughs> yeah. Minus, minus the ridiculous toupee. <laughs> uh, so for about 10 years, I guess, and maybe a little bit more, uh, late 90s into the early 2000s, it seemed like the, the, the roots country scene was really thriving in Western Canada. What was the landscape like out there for you guys? Like you, you were finding enough work within, you know, the area, going to Nova Scotia or PEI as well. Like there was places for you guys to play and, and a, a, you know, a culture and community surrounding the country music well there always was so you moncton's an acadian uh, acadian french type of community right and acadians are steeped in country and not only country but like bluegrass country like you get the cajun kind of music mixed in with kind of this like the cajun music acadian music's almost bluegrass like french bluegrass basically then you get bluegrass and then it's you know acadians love george jones you know, like, so that's <laughs> around here. That's a big deal. Right. And, uh, you know, Johnny Cash and all the real old time country, that's real big in New Brunswick. Okay. Eh? So, right. It's always been a thing here. And, uh, but it, it's weird. It's, uh, when we were coming in, all the country bars have kind of closed down, but 
they the the western scene had not hit here not much it was it, in halifax it was a bit folky with like the guthries and stuff but there wasn't a lot of uh there wasn't a whole lot of like real uh country type stuff like we were pretty standalone there was ryan cook he he was doing some stuff oh yeah he's still out he does the hank thing right oh yeah and he does a mean buck like, really he does great oh yeah yeah he's He's a great guy, great guy, great singer, great writer, you know, all around. But there was there was a lot of like a more of an Americana kind of thing, but it definitely leaned more towards folky or singer songwriter. But there wasn't like country country, like not a lot of that going on, like only in the older community. So you'd see these variety shows that would come up at like like a Lions Club or something. But it'd be people in their late 50s, early 60s, even 70s doing like, you know, Kitty Wells and stuff like that. And I was on those bills all the time. I would, I'd get called up and do those. In the band? They were a blast. No, just me. I'd get called up and go and do them. Or, but Haywood did a few of them too. And that's kind of a, a maritime thing you see, like uh, family bands. Like they'll come up and, and sing like, you know, all that great old stuff. You know, and it's, it's not so much outlaw country. It'd be more like traditional jukebox stuff. So like Hank Snow and that kind of thing. You guys uh, release your first record, You Ain't Getting My Country, in 2006. Are, are you and Jason both bringing songs to the table, or are you guys writing as a band? How did that look? Uh, 2006 record, it was largely Haywood and I writing. Uh, and sometimes he would write one completely on his own, so would I. And sometimes we'd co-write. Um, but I would say it was about 50-50, uh, him and me. And then we would bring... Uh, a mostly fleshed together tune, at least like basics. Mm-hmm. We'd bring it into the band and then that would go through the meat grinder and we would just flush it all out. Everyone would put their stamp on it and, you know, make it a divorcee's tune. Were so you, were you guys playing often locally in those days? Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were gigging pretty hard up until probably up until like the four chapters era, we were gigging pretty good. So when did you first leave the Maritimes and head west? Was it on the back of that first record? First first album, yeah. And uh, Haywood uh, ended up leaving just before. <laughs> so I ended up like, he ended up heading out and uh, and I ended up taking a whole slot on and we traveled the first tour as a three-piece. <laughs> wow. So you guys have like yeah. a, whole, a whole run booked in Western Canada, which for the people that don't As, uh, that yeah. don't live in Canada, like <laughs> the American artists who tour, they go, you know, 90 minutes, two hours down the road every day. For, for you guys in Moncton, you're like a, yeah. you're like a, a, a 48 hour drive to me here in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's it, you're yeah, way yeah. east. So so you're heading all the way to Alberta, <laughs> I guess. All the way out, yeah. And uh, out. and Jason we, Jason splits the leaves the band right before you guys head out, and you just you just well, I yeah. guess we got to go do this. We got to go do it. And you so, are the you know, default home, lead singer. I'm I I was not a lead singer until that moment, <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly I'm a lead singer. Wow. You know, and uh, I just bit bit down and went for it. Yeah, it was just like the most exciting slash terrifying tour of my life. <laughs> and and did it go well though? Uh, it was chaotic. Uh, I thought it went pretty good. We we uh, we came home stronger. Like we came home, like you know, especially Turtle and I. We we came home going, no matter you know, it kind of set the baseline. Like it was like if we can handle this, we can handle anything. Right. You know, and and that was basically, 
you know, that tour is what kind of galvanized the, the real personality of the band was galvanized through that tour. It was a seminal tour for that. Like we came out of it going, get whatever you got to throw at us, fine. And, uh, and that's why we're still here today. <laughs> yeah, you can form a really strong bond when you're up against it like that with people, you know? Felt like being in the trenches or something. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was a crazy experience. But, uh, you know, we, we came out of it uh, feeling good and uh, inspired to write another album. And we went right back to work for the second record. And that's right Last that. of the Three Men comes out in 2009. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, yeah. Okay. And I guess, did you write all those tunes or is that a collaborative thing happening? Yes. Yeah. That one would be more me. That album is largely me. Uh, and uh, what was the other one? Yeah, like uh except for i think well we covered an acdc song before it became cool uh we we didn't realize that, that it was going to turn into a big thing and ended up becoming uh and like bluegrass bands and everybody was covering but yeah we just uh we were doing it at our shows and it was such a big hit that we we uh gave it a try and had a lot of fun with it so did that record like kind of put you guys on the map nationally even more than the first record in the first run it definitely built on it yeah. uh, because we had some songs on there that made it into some films and uh, people were pretty happy with, uh, with us. By that point we had really kind of, you know, we toured pretty hard and so it, it really kind of built. And so, yeah. And we got a lot of like that album stood the test of time. We still, we still play those songs at every show and, and uh, a lot of them. And, uh, we get a lot of feedback from people, you know, a lot of fan favorites are from that record. Were you guys uh, touring out West, like just for release tours, or were you kind of making a point to go out there a couple times a year? Uh, well, we couldn't really afford to do anything more than like maybe one big trip, you know? Mm -hmm. And and if we were lucky, we might get a second one because uh, when you're from the East coast, everything's far away. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so yeah. we, we did what we could with what we had and kept trying to travel out, you know, and the, the way touring was happening by that point, like 2009, 2010 was changing really quick and getting really hard to, to maintain. Yeah. There was like, like I said, a good, a good sort of 10 years there where it seemed like you could go, you know, even someone from the East coast could go out to Alberta and, and make money. Yeah. Like you guys, there was places that are yeah. long since gone that were probably, you know, really great spots in those days that even yeah, I, missed like we, I didn't start going out till 2010. Yeah. Like we, by the 2010 point into the hour, we were not going as far out as way West. We, like maybe we'd hit the 401 figure eight it back. Like we were, still managing to hit some good spots. Um, but by every time we go out, it'd be a few, few less bars, you know, like they were just shutting down left and right. Where were you guys uh, doing especially well, like outside of the Maritimes? Was there any spots you really liked playing or that, you know, you, ha you really kind of rang the bell as far as turnout? Yeah. Well, there was a place out in Calgary called the Bar Name Sue. You just answer the phone. Bar Name Sue, how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was great. Oh, well, we had the most fun we partially remember at the Bar Name Sue. Everyone tells me that. that. Was, uh, I just missed it. <laughs> you, you know, it was a wild run. Uh, yeah, we used to play there. We played uh, lots of places in Calgary and Edmonton, like the Black Dog, uh, Railway out in Vancouver. Um, let me see. The Elmdale Tavern in Ottawa, that was a fun spot. I loved great, that great room. Place. 
you know, the bartender says like big bleeping beer, small little glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had the courts, you know, they had like the courts of uh, Molson the big court bottles. Yeah. I remember the bartender like, Hey, we said, you ever drank this way before? Son? I was like, I don't know if I have. <laughs> He's like, well, just, just pace yourself. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah. It was, it was a well time. But Yondale's gone now. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, that was know, a great old Townhouse, place. Townhouse, all those places that far out in Regina there. Uh, the Peterborough, yeah. Toucan, all those places. We played all the all the hot spots. And uh, out west, though, so, yeah, we – oh, there's a place called Cactus Annie that we used to play out in uh, Merritt, B.C. We used oh, yeah. to get these package shows out there. What a wild place that was. I don't know that one. Lots of fun. Yeah, Merritt Mountain. You know, you, you had a real neat mix of townies, choppers, truckers, riggers, <laughs> rodeo guys. You know, like it was a wild ride. Yeah, they got the cowboy <laughs> culture there big time. And, uh, and oh, it's not man. far from Kamloops. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. I love it out there too, man. I uh, uh, And you also are not too far from the north. Like... You get the cowboy stuff in Fort St. John and, and Prince George and stuff, and it's only yeah. a few hours up the road. Oh, yeah, yeah. Merritt was a beautiful town. It reminded me kind of uh, like a small New Brunswick town, you know, so we felt comfortable there, you know. And uh, people were really nice to us. And uh, it was one of the last places you could play those package shows. You know, you could get a four or five-nighter and play every night and just play country all night long, you know. Man, that's it's an awesome dream. experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we did it in a few places, like the Stetson out in Calgary, where they had they still had a smoking section in a big glass box. <laughs> it's like, is that the one that's the or, uh, the motel like down the road from the ranchman's? Yeah, and, and let me tell you, that was a country crowd. That was that was the old holdout right there. Oh, and ranchman's had nothing on those guys. That must and have been you awesome. You could go in there. And it was pretty cool, you know. And they had the old pint glasses, and it was a it was just a wild ride. And uh, oh, there's so many cool bars like that out there, like. But, uh, you know, they're, they're all kind of going to the wayside. There's not many of them left. No, it's getting harder and harder. That's for sure. Yeah. I I think it's going to change. I think we're, I think these, these old hotels are going to get bought up and we're going to see a resurgence of the hotel saloon, Mm -hmm. which I think will be really great because then you don't have to stumble anywhere. Except go upstairs to your room. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I I think those days are going to come back, but, uh, it's going to take a while. Especially with COVID, of course, you know. Hey there again, folks. As we approach the halfway point of today's episode, I'd like to thank you once again for tuning in. You're listening to the Northern Report Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Burns. Our guest today is Alex Madsen. I'll remind you to follow the Northern Report Podcast and playlist on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Listen on YouTube our anchor.fm page, or wherever you find your podcasts. In the first section of today's episode, we covered Alex's formative years, the formation of the divorcees, and their early approach to recording and touring. It's no secret that I hold the group's 2012 record four chapters in the highest of regards. And though I'm sure he's heard me mention it on the air or online before, I felt I needed to express my affection for the record to Alex properly. We'll jump into that next and continue down the path covering the divorcee's journey in country music. 
I need I need to bring up four chapters uh, because yeah. I, I have said on multiple occasions on Boots and Saddle that uh, I believe yeah. four chapters to be the finest country music record to come out of Canada in the second decade of the century. And uh, I'll admit, I, I listened to that album wow. so many fucking times uh, in 2012 when I was on the road. And in 2012, I did... Uh, St. John's to Tofino, like I was, I was going hard, wow. and uh, and wow. I listened to that album like crazy. I was actually listening to it That's again awesome. today before I called you. Uh, I remember I first met you guys at Plan B in Moncton, uh, yeah. summer of 2011. You guys just happened to be there, and we ended up at someone's house. A little after show, probably drinking whiskey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and trading songs and shit like that. And what yeah, I remember yeah. is uh, you guys had told me about four chapters and played some early mixes. And had talked about how Tim Huss was hired to sort of be the narrator and 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 introduce these new themes and uh, and uh, I thought and I still think that it was a really great idea that was like brilliantly executed. How did all that play out? And did did it just happen that these songs fit into the sections, or were you consciously writing them as chapters? Uh, initially, they there was a handful of them that were uh, independently written, but as I wrote, as I was writing. Uh, I quickly realized that I was kind of being very thematic mm-hmm. with what I was doing. And uh, I'd say when I hit about the halfway point, I was like, I've got a concept. And it, it was not something I was planning on doing. It's just, it's just something I recognized. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I need to take a look at this, you know? And then uh, I, I was telling turtle, like how I wanted to, you know, how I always felt that, it would be really great to do one of those double gatefold outlaw concept records, you know, like our heroes did. And luckily for me, you know, he would, uh, Turtle's got that mind for that, right? Like he's, he's very, very much in keeping with that kind of mentality. And uh, in, he likes to, Turtle like me, he likes to dream big. And, and uh, I kind of explained it to him and said, you know, what if we, like I was telling about redheaded stranger and how there was like a booklet in it and there was illustrations and stories. I was like, what if we did that? Wouldn't that be amazing? And luckily for me, you know, turtle really ran with it and, uh, it said, let's do it. And, uh, I will say like that album, it's 100% turtles debut as a producer. And, uh, like a lot of people know turtle as a very gifted bass player, of course, but what they, a lot of people should know about him is that he's an exceptional producer. He's uh, like that album is definitely turtle, like in terms of how it all came together. So I definitely yeah. got that sense. And, and he was he was really excited about it, I remember. And so you guys oh, yeah. obviously had a relationship with Tim Huss from him touring so hard oh, and yeah. you guys going. Out. So <laughs> so did you, did you how did it come about? You're like, you know, we got to do these segues and Tim is going to narrate them. Well, Tim would come down east and we would do shows together and he would play certain gigs and stuff. And he called me up and I joined him for a couple of them. And, uh, you know, we we'd struck a friendship up right from the first tour all of us and so we're all good friends with him i call him a brother from another mother you know so he's he's a great guy and uh you know just salt of the earth but also super literate uh natural born storyteller and uh you know just still waters run deep you know with a guy like that and when we were looking at people to narrate it it was 
he was top of the list. It was like, can you imagine if Tim Huss did this? And it, we, at first, I think we thought it wasn't going to be possible. But Turtle's the kind of guy that will, if he, if he thinks it's even remotely possible, he's going to chase it down. Right. And he did. He did. He made it happen. <laughs> and, and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, this is crazy. Oh yeah, must have been so exciting. Like the first time you hear Tim reading this this narration, like uh, over top uh, of the music. I think I, I went, I started, went right through the roof. I mean, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was just, oh my god, that is amazing. It's like I dreamt it, and it's real. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, it's just fantastic there was definitely uh far as i could tell like a, a genuine excitement from you guys and i could see you were really excited like and proud of what you were going to release did you think like yeah we're really we, we really got something great here yes yeah, yeah we we felt like we felt like we had had our asses kicked for years and years and that album was a result of our asses getting kicked you know and we came out of it kind of looking at it and going okay well you know what like uh, it's 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 a kind of a song. It's kind of a thematic album about going out west, chasing it down, getting your ass kicked, and coming home, right? And it's it's semi autobiographical, sure, you know. And uh, when we completed that album and we were able to communicate it the way we did, and and get the and get the sound effects in there, and have the just the transitions and the artwork. Uh, it it just it was just magical. Like everything came together almost exactly the way we wanted. And uh, I gotta say it again. You know, I really credit Turtle for that because he had I had come to him on a very conceptual level and said I always wanted to do something like this. Here's my songs. Here's what I'm thinking. Can we flush these out? Can we make them more musical? Add more parts? You know, can can you know can Turtle come in here? And you kind of helped me with some of these melodies and work some of these parts out. And then we kind of, on that record, it was definitely me and Turtle for a lot, for the large part, for the largest part of it, uh, because the band had been in transition at that time as well. So we kind of really knuckled down because it was up to him and I. So we wrote a lot of the material, but where we differed was I had more of an artistic vision in terms of like the artwork and what I wanted it to look like and conceptually what I wanted it to feel like. And then Turtle was coming in more like a producer side and saying, well, this is how we're going to make it happen. And here's how we're going to get these parts to work. And he, he got in really tight with Danny Bourgeois who, who engineered it with us and they really finessed it. It, it was an amazing lucky, but Luck and perseverance is what made that album happen, you know, full tilt. And comes out in 2012, you hit the road, you head west for a, a little run that takes you, I think, as far as Dauphin, Manitoba. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. We we got out to Winnipeg. Yeah. And uh, once you hit Winnipeg, it's like you start to realize you got to go from Winnipeg to Moncton, so... You know. So that was as far as you went, and you guys, you guys head home, and we haven't seen you out here since then. No, no, we haven't been back. We'd love to go, that's for sure. Just logistics and the amount of time it takes to get out uh, out west is is probably the, the reason for that. Yeah, and it it just gets tougher and tougher for New Brunswick bands to tour in the west. Like it's not so bad if you're from, say, Ontario to the west. 
it's it's not as bad but if you're from new brunswick uh your overhead is so high that by the time you get out west and back if if you don't have like really heavy duty anchor dates you're 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 coming home empty-handed or even worse and yeah that's damn near impossible in uh going through ontario and stuff to it's it's tough to make a you know respectable amount of money outside of a festival uh in ontario and so yeah and and again some perspective for the people that are going to listen is like so you're you're 48 hours from winnipeg and then we're another 24 hours to vancouver Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a huge commitment financially and as far as your time is concerned. So I guess you end up going home and, uh, and the band's still active. You're still, still going at it. 2016 sees the release of From Labor to Refreshment, which is really a nice, solid, blue-collar country music, like barroom country release, maybe a little bit more raw than four chapters. Yeah, well, that, like, I think it, it really, you know, the, the four chapters album experience was definitely uh, a vision that was centered towards what like turtle appreciates, like with big production value and a lot of uh, like a lot of movement and flavors and a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, from labor to refreshment was definitely, I think more of a nod towards what I, what I'm about. (laughs) So I'm kind of nitty gritty and I tend to, I, I'm like a stomp and Tom kind of, you know, kind of approach. And, uh, we had an opportunity to record at a place called MRC studios in Memram cook, which was an analog studio, studio tape deck style. Right. Oh, Cool. And turtle came to me and this, this time around, it was turtle that came to me and said, I think we should record here. And, and I think we should try and go for this kind of analog approach. And I think if that's, if I remember it correctly, but it's, we, you know, we had done this really big kind of concept album. And I think it was, you know, okay, we've done that. Maybe we need to take a different trajectory on the next one. So we went, we changed, we pivoted and went for more like an analog raw kind of sound. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how we're from labor to refresh refreshment came from. So were you writing the songs for that, knowing that you were going to be going in with a bit more of an organic feel to the recording or were these the songs that you had? Um, well, I always kind of try to road test stuff before I even remotely get into a studio situation, at least back then I did. Uh, so, uh, you know, I would, I would kind of sit on songs for months and months and months before I'd even bring them into the guys and say, okay, what do you think of this? You know, and then, then kind of put it through the meat grinder and really revisit them and re re rework them. Uh, and with, from labor to refreshment, uh, there was, there's a simplicity to the songs that they're not as progressive as say like four chapters is, for example, like they're more straightforward. Uh, so I kind of, I, well, I remember just, you know, kind of just jamming them out a lot with the guys and, and getting them so that they just sit comfortable and had a nice pocket. And that was kind of where we were with that. Yeah, it's a really nice feeling record. Like four chapters demands your attention in a different way because you're you're being led on this journey, this story. And yeah. then you know, uh, yeah. labor to refreshment is like, it's just it's like a really nice country music record you can just put on a few times, and you know, and then certain That's things it. catch your yeah. ear. But I think those are important, and uh, and uh, I think it's cool that you it's guys a honky tonk record. Yeah, yeah. and you make it's, the shift from basically. the. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. 
Go ahead. No. Oh no, yeah, no. That's that's kind of it. It's a like very honky tonky kind of record, and lots of fun. You know, it it was kind of we'd had this big, serious, epic album with that 2012 record, and then when we kind of did some labor to refreshment, I think it was, you know, I was kind of what if we just kind of put it as a straight up honky tonk kind of, you know? Yeah. And and it like you know I think everyone kind of felt that it was a good direction. But when Turtle came to me with that with that suggestion about MRC Studios and saying, hey, these guys have got some really nice gear like this is a good spot uh it just it made sense to make that kind of record in that kind of studio <laughs> yeah absolutely it's it's like uh it's got a little it's a little more playful melodically like you think of a song like crowded shed or something like that yeah. you know it's like it's it's a it's a really nice record and so you got you as you mentioned you know you and turtle are the are the constants in the group there's changes uh, on the drum chair and other guitar players uh fast forward a little bit and jason returns to the fold uh tell me about how and when that happened and what that was like because i imagine there would have been some internal excitement and then from your longtime fans they must have been excited as well oh big time yeah yeah well when we were before haywood was coming in we've been kind of doing the same old same old for a while and we needed a real shot in the arm you know i mean 15 year old dan you know it was we needed some we needed something to kind of get a put a little jump in our step there and uh luckily for us you know People think that Haywood just left and we were see you later, buddy, or whatever. But we'd actually continued to work with him on solo stuff. I was playing guitar with him on all sorts of shows, and Jerry oh. would come in and play bass for him and all that. So we we remain friends, and all of us have been kind of in you know in each other's camps for over the years. And so I had gone to Campobello Island to do a place a gig called Fogfest with him, and uh, I was playing guitar with him. And uh, they actually let me do a little set of my own. And and uh, it turns out, you know, like, you know, Haywood's wife's out in the crowd and she's just listening to us play. And she comes with me after and she's like, I don't know why you guys aren't working together. You guys should be working together. And I just kind of left the it left a kind of a thought in my head about it. And then maybe a few months later, we were playing at this uh, tattoo expo. And again, you know, him and I got called up to do it and we were playing Buck Owens, all his favorite stuff. And at the time, things had kind of slowed down for the band. We weren't really doing as much as we normally do. And it needed a shot in the arm. And I just looked at Haywood there and said, you know, have you, you remember when your wife was talking about that stuff? And it, it just turned into a conversation. And then before you knew it, it just kind of expanded into the band. I don't know who started what or who said what or how it all kind of came about, but it, it was just kind of seemed to like naturally occur. <laughs> but for me, it, it seems like that real spark started when, when uh, Haywood's wife was kind of like, you know, why are you guys doing this? Like, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah. I wrote about in the hockey talk times that there's like at listening to the record drop of blood. Uh, it, it, you feel a sense of like, uh, you know, of someone's coming home and you feel a sense of excitement amongst the group. And it's like, w- welcome back. And, and here's what we've got now after all these years of Jason being gone. And it's received really positive reviews. When did you begin working on the record? And, uh, and it, was it back to the same old thing? Like you're each bringing songs in and working them out together? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, what ended up happening was uh, he came in and he'd had a, you know, I think he had some songs probably that that he was like, oh, this would make a great divorcee song. And 
probably just never used it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, so a couple of them came into the fold and, and I'd had, I had written some stuff since from labor to refreshment and I'd been kind of working them. And, uh, so when he came back in, I just kind of started letting my material out. He started putting in some stuff and then we co-wrote a few of them. And, uh, I mean, in no time at all, we probably had, well, more than we had a pile of songs that we could go through and pick from. It, it didn't take long because we were pretty inspired when he came back in. It, it, it was it, for a couple of reasons too. You've got Sean, who's just this exquisite electric guitarist, you know, and real chord master. Like he's got good sense of ambient sounds and he's a very melodic player. And uh, so suddenly, you know, he's in there with an SG and a Strat and he's come up with real cool sounds. I'm on my telly on the other side, a little more open to do B-bender stuff and fun experimental things country-wise. And then you've got Haywood, who has this kind of hammer of the gods strumming style there. Like <laughs> he hits, you know, he's just an old boomer chick, a flat top player, right? And so, he, you know, all of a sudden the sound just opens up and everybody's looking at each other like, now we can really get into it. So we really dug in and started it didn't take long. It was very inspiring to have Sean on the other side, you know, throwing out riffs and stuff. So, you know, double lead breaks. And everything. Yeah. Great. That's thoughtful. The arrangements are thoughtful and, and the songs are really strong. Where did you guys make the record and when did you record it? We did it over the summer. It uh, started in the end of August and then it stretched into September. Uh, and uh, really, you know, just dug deep, uh, you know, got through every challenge you could get through. Uh, you know, uh, studio time is never an easy experience that it shouldn't be. Uh, and, uh, we are very, uh, we're very strong willed people. And if we'll fight, we're independent individually, we'll fight for what we believe in. And so, uh, that can create, um, it, it creates, a forger's fire, like I guess you could say. It's like a real, you know, it's, 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 you know, you make them, you make diamonds from pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and good. so it's the whole idea, you know, but we, you know, we fight a little bit, but we love each other too. So it's, it's never too bad. It doesn't get out of control or anything like that. But like, uh, I remember thinking just, you know, just, how we had to like just really head down go to work we were on a on a tight time frame for the original tracking part of it and then uh then after the fact we kind of just started doing some different work independently to fill up just to fill in some holes and certain things and with the session guys but uh tremendous experience like uh intense but but like very rewarding on the very on the back end when we listened back we were like it was worth it. Where, where did you guys so, make it? It looked like you were like at a cabin or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Haywood's mother has a cottage out in Rexton, which is off the of water in New Brunswick. And uh, yeah, we uh, all piled into this cottage and and uh, just wired it up and away we went. And we brought in uh, Dwayne Kelly, who does uh, sound for Matt Anderson. Oh, cool. Yeah. And he came in and we just knuckled down and got it done i like making records like that as well man we we did that one time where we were out uh at a cabin for like seven days you just kind of live in there you're working together that's all there's no distractions from being in town or anything like that 
and uh, it's yep. it's you know fond memories <laughs> when you're kind of in that you know in the trenches like we said before with with your with your people you guys typically make your own records like bring in an engineer and you kind of keep it internal self-produce yes yeah uh like i said earlier you know turtles got a real a real gift for production mm-hmm. and uh so he definitely knows he's got a sense of what needs to get done and when uh keeps things on track uh he's got great ears you know can if he thinks a melody can be tweaked he's going to suggest it uh you know and can hear if there's you know he's got a real great uh sense of timing and melody and tuning and and all the things that you really need to have to make sure an album shines that 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 works well and uh in his in his case you know that's been a huge benefit to us like it's you know now it's weird to think like you know when we first started out there was no real indication to start out that he had that that innate ability but i'd say by the second record and then going into the third that's when we were like whoa he's got some he's got some skills here like and so that's where you know that's definitely why the the third album uh, four chapters was what it was you know and now with the, this album here uh we see like when you have someone like that who can do that kind of stuff and then you've got someone like kevin who's pretty good at engineering and i've got production ability as well um it just you get this feeling that like well why would we want to bring someone else without any backstory into that and try to make it like I, it feels like you're almost taking a chance you know like you're you're just it's kind of roulette you can like well maybe we'll lock out maybe we won't and uh you know when we know what we want and so we've always tried to work locally as much as possible uh and you know we've always tried to use as we use a lion share of musicians here from the province uh, robbie kroll he's from nashville but he's originally from around here so you know he played all the keys yep. on the lice record killer player yeah oh yeah um but yeah you know and coco on steel mm-hmm. dale murray uh you know those kinds of guys like try to stay eastern seaboard if we can but also like if we can get new brunswickers we do um yeah and we've, we've always been kind of very centered towards that are there uh, you know. some songs or moments on Drop of Blood that you're particularly proud of? For me, yeah, probably the lead break, the leads that I did, and a few of the tunes I, I'm just like a total sucker for. Uh, in uh, Must Be Nice, yeah, the double lead breaks. Like, I don't know, I, I, uh, I always want to do some of that really crazy Merle Haggard, like 190 proof era kind of lead stuff, and. I really wanted that on this record and I managed to pull it in that must be nice break with a weird bends and the kind of this double lead break, but it's really unorthodox. It's a real strangers kind of, kind of vibe, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, has it been uh, an adjustment or has it, it must feel a little bit, uh, uh, refreshing now that you're back to splitting the lead vocal duties and sometimes you can just be the guitar player. Yeah, it's it's a big relief. Uh, it makes life easier for me, and I get to sit in the pocket a bit more. Yeah, it can be really hard to, uh, you know, if you're the lead guitarist, rhythm guitarist, singer, and then you've got Sean on an acoustic. 
you're wearing a lot of hats, you know, and it's when you've got two electrics and then another singer, you're all of a sudden like, you've got like a few, you can have a couple of windows of time where it's like, you're really sitting in the song and you can just really focus on those parts. It makes it a real pleasure to play that way. I bet. And your, your brain's not, your brain's not split in two different directions. Mm-hmm. And it's great. You guys have like really different sounding voices and it's you know, complimentary to the sound. It's not, it's nice. It's kind of, it's kind of a, it's not something you hear all the time. You know, he's like second lead vocalist on the, on the record. Yeah, it's a lucky break, you know. Uh, oh, I'm going to go the other way here. I'm, I'm out for my daily walk, but it seems like I'm walking into every construction zone in Moncton right yeah. now. It's like, what the heck, man? Uh, yeah, you know, like, hey, wouldn't I always like to sing, like, Everly Brothers stuff? And, oh, cool. And jukebox stuff. So that har- the harmonies come from that. And I learned, I kind of cut my teeth harmonizing with him on his own solo stuff before we even formed the Divorcees. Because I was playing with him on his solo stuff before the Divorcees even formed. So you know, was really fun kind of learning how to harmonize that way with them. Right. And, uh, yeah. So and now it's just like, it's, you know, no, not even a second thought to it. It's just like almost muscle memory to harmonize. So you guys have always, uh, all the records seem to be always consistently well received. And I know that you guys have won some hardware, some East coast music awards. And I love that. I, I can't seem to find online when or how many that you've won. I think that's pretty great. Uh, we've, you guys are humble. We've got a couple of these, we've got a couple of ECMAs, uh, and we've got a couple of music and Brunswick awards. Uh, I think maybe two or three. Uh, yeah, you know, we're we're not we're not against awards or anything like that, but at uh, I guess it almost like we're almost kind of bashful about it. <laughs> if you yeah. ask any of the guys in the band, we're all kind of like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, I mean, we got, <laughs> we got a couple here. Yeah, we just gotta let people know. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we did win that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, it looks good on a press release, but you don't need to brag to your pals. Well, I remember when we won the first one, and. Uh, that was a huge thing for us because we were like the little band that could, you know? Yeah. So it was pretty cool to think that we got a bit of recognition from our peers there. And it was it's like, hey, we can do this. All right. You know, so it was a, it was a pretty cool feeling. Kind of like, hey, this paid off. After the amount of uh, consistent success and positive response, do you guys feel pressure and like expectations on yourselves to deliver something, uh, you know, when you go in to make a new record or are you just going in and making a record because you're a band? Um, kind of neither of the two, really. Uh, we're really about being as authentic as we can be. It's That's the biggest thing with us is uh, right from the start, right from the first record, we were like, let's just be ourselves. Let's let's do what we do because we love doing it. You know, like we have a blast. I mean, we hang out in our, in, in the studio, laugh and carry on. Tell the, the absolute dirtiest jokes that any human should be allowed to hear. You know, like we just, we have a great time and we drink beers and talk about new artists or talk about our favorite songs. And we're five guys that enjoy each other's comedy. We're all best friends. And, uh, you know, we we're a part of each other's lives and they're, it the fa- it stands out into our families, uh, you know we're we're basically brothers, best friends, and we get that we happen to get to make music together. So when we make an album, we honor it. We don't we don't mess around. Like we're like, hey, we're really lucky to do this. Like we're super lucky that we get along this good, and that we can write music together, 
and we all love Waylon. Like, how <laughs> often do you find that? Like, yeah. five guys that love Waylon, love Willie, love Johnny and Merle and George, and know and know exactly what they want, and and are, and are comfortable enough to share it with their buds and go, hey, let's let's write one that's like real kind of Texas swing kind of tune. Oh yeah, all right. Like I remember bringing in "Spend My Pay" on the previous record, and I was, I was like, you know, showing it to my wife and saying, "Oh man, this is like a song about a guy coming home and he can't wait to take his wife out dancing, you know, and because he's been out working on the rigs, you know." And she's like, "Oh, it's gonna be great. What do you think the guys are gonna think?" And I remember thinking to myself, "I think the guys are gonna really dig it. I think they're gonna really have fun." And there was never a doubt in my mind. And then we would get down on the rehearsals, and I, I. I remember thinking to myself, well, they've never really, never really done this kind of swing, swing kind of stuff. The minute I showed it to them, they were like, ah, oh, what a great groove. This is a great rhythm. And then let's, let's flush it out. Let's make it happen. Oh, man, this has got some real danceability to it. Let's speed it up a little bit. Turns into this really cool Texas swing number. And I was, I just remember thinking, I was like, how awesome is this? Like, I, I brought this in and without a worry in the world, it just turned into almost exactly what I heard in my head. And I didn't have to tell them how to do it. I didn't have to, I just, they were just being themselves and made the song happen. You know, That's so like, great. Yeah. You get this really sense. Cool. You know? Yeah. I, I get the sense from listening, to, especially to the latest one here that like, that's what's going on. There's, there's a bond and a brotherhood and, and uh, your respect oh, yeah. for the country music and, and, and being able to play it is, uh, I mean, I admire that. I, I, like I said earlier, like I feel the same way sometimes when I get to play those songs and, and, and try to write music in that style. Um, who are oh, some, yeah. uh, who are some other acts out there today that you're especially enjoying? Well, I know that, uh, you know, you mentioned Shooter Jennings. I'm a big, big fan because, uh, as a producer, I think he's, uh, he's a real renaissance man and uh the whole band has a real appreciation for shooter we all love sturgill simpson and uh you know that that he's been a big uh shot in the arm for us kind of made us feel relevant and made us feel like hey we are we're okay <laughs> you know um you know a couple of our guys are into uh what's the guy that sings white house road uh oh, what's his name a red-haired fella Oh, really uh, great singer, Tyler. Tyler Childers. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the boys are really into Tyler Childers. Kevin's a huge fan. Our drummer, he just loves Tyler Childers. And uh, you know, there's bluegrass guys and uh, the Punch Brothers and all that kind of fun, fun stuff. Uh, Sean is a big, big uh, Americana guy, as is Haywood. And I'm kind of a little more set in my ways. I still, I still seem to kind of go back to my. Uh, to my Willie records and Don Williams albums and yeah. all that fun stuff. <laughs> are, are you uh, are you a Willie or Whalen if you have to choose one? Oof. Uh, well, the answer to that is, is you can't have a glass of milk without an Oreo cookie. So <laughs> <laughs> I've asked a few guys that question, and they're all they're, they're all like they're all kind of like, well, Willie, you know, it's like I'll use the Whalen groove, <laughs> but I like the Willie song. But I think I like your answer a little bit better. Um, what's oh, yeah. uh, what's on deck for you guys now? I mean, I know, you know, you, I guess you guys did a, did a, like a theater show to release the record. Things are a lot different out there uh, than they are yeah, in the rest of the it's country. Slow. Eh? It's, it's slow on the Eastern seaboard, but we think a bubble might open up between provinces and allow us to kind of play around. Uh, but a lot of festivals are still pretty scared. Don't want to really kick in. So we're, we're kind of in the holding pattern. Like, are we going to have any shows? You know, like it's, it still looks like it might be next year before anything happens, you know? So 
we did do a big launch and that went really well. Uh, and we're releasing videos all the time. Like we're, uh, we've got one out just now, uh, for, uh, must be nice. Oh, cool. And I, uh, I got my, uh, my janitor coveralls on. I'm, I'm front and center in the camera. It's, uh, it's pretty fun. You get to look at my face for way too much long, way too much time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, it's fun. Uh, but that album, um, that single is released now. Uh, so by the time people hear this, it will be out and playing. And so, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, turtle was a big driver behind that video as well, actually. And, uh, Kevin's daughter, Harmony, who is a, uh, going to school for, uh, video editing and content creation. So, uh, we were just really lucked out having her to be able to help us with this and, and then Turtle just saw an opportunity and said, "Hey, I'm going to make a video here. Let's let's make this happen." Cool. And they, and then they had the bright idea of putting me in front of a camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any uh, any chance or any 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 plans uh, goals to tour west of the Maritimes maybe next year on the back of this record? I would really like to, and I think the guys do too. Um, we're we weren't as able to do it for the longest time. Uh, largely you know we had member changes and things like that and then of course just the time of life that we were in some of us with kids and so on uh now we're there we have a little bit more of a flexibility i think to do it and so uh i think it's it it, there's never been a better chance of it happening not in my opinion uh i wish i could i wish i could say guarantee it 100 percent. we're going um, but I know that like when we talk about it, it's like, man, we really got to go out West. We got to do it again. Yeah. You know, I know turtle and I talk about it all the time and he's like, man, we got to get back out there. Like it's been too long. And, yeah. and, uh, I, I totally agree with him. It's like, it has been, we need to get out there somehow. It's tough. It's the same thing. Like I said earlier, it's like, I haven't been out there in eight years and it's for similar reasons. You know, it's really far. It's, it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> yeah. tough, tough haul up here for a touring, touring band in Canada. Um, Hey, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Congratulations on the record. I think it's really, really strong. And, uh, I hope that you guys are, are proud. Oh, we're, we're really happy with it. We're really happy with it. it and we've, I think the thing I'm happiest about is how many people have reached out to us uh, just for the simple fact that we put a record out, but also to, to really, it, I, I felt like a, I've always felt this, this kind of sense of people being really happy to hear records from us in the past. But this time I felt like a sense of gratitude from people that I never felt before. And I, I find that really like it, it's, it's pretty awesome to feel that. Like, it's like, I mean, I've gotten a couple of texts from people saying, Hey, you know, I, I really had nothing to look forward to. So thank you for, you know, yeah. thank you for putting this record out and giving me something awesome to take my mind off things with, you know? And, uh, I, I really relate, you know, it's, and I'm just so glad that, that, that people can reach out to us that way. Yeah, and you guys, it's well, well deserved and well earned. You guys kind of been consistently working hard, and uh, it shows on the records. Oh, thanks, man. And you know, I got to tell you, and I got to tell the listening public too. You have like the best country show in Canada, <laughs> hands you. down. Thank you very much. Hands down, I listen every week without fail. Thank you. Oh yeah, I appreciate Absolutely. that. Absolutely, and a lot I share of time. it. I know, I know you notice it. I, I share it to people. I said, "This guy knows country, man." Like, and you know, like 
Not all of them do. It's true. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's important. Some of them are like, not so much, man. <laughs> but you get you get into some old school shit. Like, like I'm just like, you know, like you're the only dude I've ever seen that played three three Red Sovine songs in a row. Like, <laughs> I'm like, holy! It's like it's the Red Sovine show. Tuning into this. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. It's great to catch up with you. Yeah, man, anytime. We'll see you on the old uh, internet. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be in touch. <laughs> All right, buddy. Have Cheers. a good day, man. Thanks a lot. See you around. Bye. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed my chat with Alex Madsen. I'll thank him again for taking the time to shoot the breeze with me and fill us in on the group's 15-plus year history. Listen to the Divorcees albums wherever you stream music for a nominal monthly fee or check them out at thedivorcees.ca. Follow along with the Northern Report Spotify playlist to hear music from the folks that I've covered in the Honky Tonk Times column as well as here on the podcast. Remember to subscribe, like, follow, and share the Northern Report. Our logo was created by Boots Graham of Boots and the Hoots, Central Alberta's finest honky-tonkers. Music on the show today, courtesy of Sean Burns and Lost Country, The Divorcees, and Skinny Dick. From local legends, to regional stars, to the cream of the Canadian crop, you'll find it all here on the Northern Report. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll chat later. Hey. Hey, bud, you got anything good for me? Yeah, I really had a ball last night.